Life Changes Church, we are in season two of the Promotable Life series. It is going to be an incredible word. So grab a notebook and a pen and get ready. But uh, it is a privilege to be together tonight. Uh, my name is Michael, for those of you who don't know me, and I am one of the pastors in the life of the church, and I have the privilege of preaching tonight, and it is the final week of the Promotable Life series. And uh, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the life of Joseph and uh, basically God's hand, his sovereign hand in Joseph's life throughout the narrative in Genesis. But um, I don't know if you ever maybe thought this question before and said, how did I get yeah. Now, why I'm saying that is Joseph probably many times in his life when he was in the pit, when he was in prison, probably thought that phrase, how did I get here? How did my life go from being the favorite child to this moment? Now, I have an amazing friend. He's one of my best mates, but he's one of those guys, when he says the words, trust me, you run in the opposite direction as fast as you can. Um, he is one of the guys where he's taken me down into oncoming traffic not once, not twice, but three times and allowed it to happen. I don't know why. But also on the, on the eve of my matric Afrikaans exam, we were studying together. I thought I would be the diligent student and try to teach him Afrikaans. It didn't go well. Um, but we, we thought that we would study together. But at some point, he decided that, no, he just got his driver's license. We need to go take his car for a spin. So we, we said, fine, this was at around 10 o'clock on a Thursday night before the Afrikaans exam. And how this happened, I still don't know, but we ended up on the rocks by Ons Heysi, um, overlooking the beach. And it was a beautiful evening. The wind was blowing in our hair. It was very romantic. No, it wasn't romantic. Um, but we ended up on the rocks. And then he said these words, hey, come closer to the ocean. Trust me. And everything inside of me said, Michael, this is a stupid idea, what's going to happen right now. I know what is going to end up. We are going to get swept away like Jack in Titanic. <laughs> but I said, okay, fine, let me trust him. And so we go closer. It's a beautiful evening. The waters are quiet. I go a little bit closer. And so now I'm just inspecting God's handiwork. And all of a sudden, I just hear these shouts. And I turn around and I see my two friends barreling towards me. Why? Because there's a five meter wave coming towards us. And in that moment I went, how did I get here? And so we all run away. Uh, my one friend stops, so he just gets taken by the wave. The other friend goes awry and I don't even know where he landed up. And somehow I landed in a rock pool, knee, like waist deep, and I lost my glasses and I thought, how did I get you? Just by trusting the guy that I said I would never trust. And so I was at home. I'm trying to wring my clothes out. I have sand in crevices that I didn't know I could have sand in. I had a starfish in my ear. No, I didn't have a starfish in my ear. But I was actually going, how did I get you? And I think for a lot of us, sometimes in life, we can ask that exact same question. And maybe the circumstance of the situation isn't as trivial or light as I made it out to be. But oftentimes, just as Joseph could have said, how did I get you? I trusted God. I trusted what he said. I trusted the dream that he gave me. I trusted that he had plans for me. I trusted that he had a purpose for me. How did I get you? I believe that each and every one of us probably have uttered that phrase at some point. And maybe if you're young, you are going to utter that phrase at some point because there are going to be trials. There are going to be hardships. There's going to be pain and suffering in this life. But if jo the story of Joseph teaches us anything is that God is always at work through it. 
And so there's these really two important points that I want us to understand before we get into the scriptures tonight. It's one point called sovereignty and that God is sovereign. And basically it means that there are no limits to God's rule. That God is above all things, that he's in all things, he's through all things, and that he's working all things for the good of those who love him according to his plans and his purposes. But then there's also his providence. And it's basically meaning that God can see to anything that he wants to, that everything is according to his plans. If God wants to will us into being, he will see to it. He breathed us into creation. He created the universe, the heavens and the earth. God will see to it. God is at work all the time and he's in complete control. And if we don't understand those two important things, those two key factors, I promise us we're missing something for what God wants to do in and through our lives throughout this promotable life series. Because I want to tell you that God is at work, that God is in control, that God is above all things and he will work through all things for his good purposes. But a Christian life is one where we need to remind ourselves of this time and time again because hardships will come, struggles will come, but I promise us God wants to do something mighty and something just powerful in our lives when we grasp these truths. And so my prayer this evening is that you leave here with a bigger view of who God is. That when you came through these doors, that you will leave with a bigger view of who God is and that you will know his surpassing worth and his glory in your life. And so we're going to look at the uh, chapter 50 of Genesis, the last little bit of Joseph. I'm going to ask you to turn uh, to your Bibles. You can uh, look at the screen behind me. But uh, if you don't have your Bibles, why don't you bring them next week? We want to read the Word of God together. But also, I believe that the Word of God brings truth in our life. And so it says this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants and the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Father, I pray that tonight we will have a bigger view of who you are. Lord, that you will show us the bigger picture. That we are your children, sons and daughters of the living God. But I pray that we will live big lives that show your worth and show your glory. That no matter what the circumstance may be, no matter where we may find ourselves, no matter whether we say this phrase, how did I get here, that we will choose to trust in you and you alone. That we will choose to rest in you and your promises. We will choose to trust that you are faithful and what you said you will complete. And so we thank you tonight, Lord. I pray that you will show us how good you are. You will show us your worth. You will show us how majestic you are. And all his people said, amen and amen. Why don't you turn to someone and say, see the bigger picture.
Good job, good job. But there's this amazing phrase, I don't know if you caught it, what, the, what man intended for evil, God intended for good. What man intended for evil, God intended for good. If I could sum up the gospel in one phrase, it would be that. What man intended for evil, what the enemy intended for evil, intended death to conquer us, death to be the final judgment, God intended for good and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the fulfillment of his promise. And so the whole gospel rests on that. But I don't know if you've maybe taken some time to think about the life of Joseph throughout the series. Think about this ordinary guy, this young 17-year-old who gets the stream, and then he finds himself in a pit. Then he finds himself as a slave in Egypt, in a foreign land, speaking a foreign language, not knowing where his family is, not knowing if his family still wish him for dead. And then he's thrown into a prison. But I don't know about you, that Joseph would have thought time and time again, how did I get here? But when we read the narrative of Joseph, we actually see that Joseph trusted God in each and every situation. He had enough faith to flee from sexual temptation even when he knew what the outcome would be. He had enough faith to believe that he would be delivered from prison. He had enough faith to honor God's name and say that only God could interpret the dreams when he was before Pharaoh. At each and every point, Joseph trusted God. See, Joseph had a clear understanding that what his brothers intended for evil, God intended for his good. It's quite a radical thought to have that my pain, that my suffering, everything that I have experienced is intended for God's purposes. I don't know if you had that same confidence tonight. I know that many times I have not had that same confidence. That what man intends for evil, my depression, my anxiety, all the things that I face in life, God uses that for his good. And not only does that God use that, he intends that because his purposes are perfect. And so tonight, my first point is, there is a bigger picture. We need to be big picture people. See, we need to know that not only is there a bigger picture, there is a bigger God. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, this verse is loved by Christians. We love it. We love taking photos by the beach on Instagram and saying, God works all things for my good. Hashtag blessed life. But the thing is, that's not what the verse is. It's not about my good. It's about his good, his purposes, his plans. And the reality is, it's all things. He works all things for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. That means the good and the bad. That means the times of famine and the times of prosperity. God works all all things for the good of those who love him. Do you believe that? Do you trust in him? That even when you are in your lowest moment, God is at work. Because that's what it means that God is sovereign. That he holds the whole world in his hands. That he holds everything together. He is sovereign and he's at work even when we can't, can't see it. Because he is above all things, he's in all things, and he's through all things. So I don't know about you, but do you believe in a sovereign God? And if you don't believe in a sovereign God, what type of God do you believe in? See, this life, there will be pain. There will be hardships. 
There will be disappointment in life. People will fail you and betray you. But God is above it all. He is with you through it all. And he is in control of it all. God is above it all. He is with you through it all. And he is in control of it all. See, in the hardships, in the pain, Joseph knew that truth. That God was with him. God was above it all. God was with him through it all. And God was in control of it all. When he was a slave, God was above it all. God was with him through it all. And God was in control of it all. He knew that when he was in the prison. He knew that when he was in prime minister. He knew that fact. Because Joseph chose to see the bigger picture. There's a bigger picture at work. It's not just about us. It's not just about our own comfort. We serve a great God. We serve a God who is faithful to finish what he has started. We serve a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. We serve a God who is greater than anything in this world. And no matter what hardship may come your way, no matter what suffering, I'm not trying to make light of those things, but I'm trying trying to show you that your God is greater than those things. And so he knew that truth. But this was a 22-year journey of Joseph finding the bigger picture. He didn't know it when he was a 17-year-old. If he had seen the bigger picture, he probably would never have told his brothers the dream and end up in a pit. Not a great life lesson to learn then. He didn't know the bigger picture, but through trials, through hardship, through suffering, he got to know who God was. Through each and every moment, he got a little bit closer to God's plans and purposes for his life. And he started seeing the bigger picture, that there's something greater at work here, that God wants to work in and through our lives for his kingdom. Not just our own story, but for his glory. And I promise you, his glory is greater than anything you can dream or imagine. His purposes and plans for your life are greater than what your own are. Because he is good and he is perfect. And so it was a 22-year journey until Joseph saw the bigger picture. See, unless we see the bigger picture of what God is doing through the suffering, through the pain and the injustices of life, we will miss the profound truth that God is using all these things for his ultimate good and his glory. See, do you believe that God is sovereign? I'm going to ask that again. Because if you do, you need to see the bigger picture. See, when we see the bigger picture, we get a bigger view of who God is. But see, if I had to draw a line down the middle of the stage, just like this, and on the one side is God, and on the other side is my life. Don't worry, we'll repaint the stage soon. See, if I had to stand in the middle here, does my life reflect his promises, his truths? Does my life determine what I believe about God? See, my life needs to be determined by the word of God, not the other way around. See, the word of God, his truth, who God is, his character, his faithfulness needs to determine my life. 
And the Christian journey is one where the two begin to meet. The more I follow and trust in God, the more I become like Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, it is to become more like Jesus. And so we live a life where we can live in the one side or the other. When I choose to, I want to receive a few of the blessings from God. I want to receive a little bit of peace. I want to receive a little bit of freedom. But then I want to go back to doing what what I always did. I want to go back to living my own life. I want to choose my own things. I want to choose to be with a partner outside of marriage. I want to choose to watch that thing which I know isn't good for me. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is one where I come under the word of God, where I come under the will of God, and I submit to his way and his will, and he's not only my savior, but he is my Lord as well. And I trust in him, and I draw down from him, and I rest in his promises because I know he's faithful. And the more and more I do it, I promise you that this life is gonna look more like that life because this life needs to come under the word of God. It needs to come under the word of God. Unless I do that, I will never know the God who is at work in every situation. And so we have a choice. We have a choice whether to believe in him, just like Joseph did, to trust in him in each and every situation, a choice to see the bigger picture, because seeing the bigger picture means that we see our bigger God in each and every situation. It doesn't mean that we know everything. It doesn't mean that we understand everything about every situation. But it says that we choose to see God in each and every situation. See, when I first came onto staff, I actually quit my job because I felt uh, God speaking and calling me into ministry. And I was a young whippersnapper of 25. I didn't know anything. But I came here, but I actually struggled from anxiety because I had a fear of people, I had a fear of failing. The first day that I actually did a huddle, which is an encouragement to our volunteers, my Bible was shaking so much that it fell out of my hand and a person started to laugh in the front row. And I thought, is this it? I can't do this. I'm not who God called for this mission. And I remember sitting with a fiery redhead named Gabriel Phillips. And I I was seeking some counsel. I needed some good advice. I needed a real pastoral touch in that moment. And I remember saying to him, Gabe, I don't know what to do. I'm actually having panic attacks. I was having panic attacks almost every day in the car with my friends. No matter what the situation, I was so fearful of what the outcome may be. And I remember sitting with him and saying, Gabe, what do I do about this anxiety? And the great pastoral touch he had is all he said was, do you believe that God is sovereign? And he walked away. I'm like, that is the worst pastoral advice anyone has ever given. But the more I thought about it, and the more I wrestled with that fact is, actually, I didn't believe that God was sovereign. Because if I did believe that God was sovereign, I wouldn't worry about the outcome. If I did believe that God was sovereign, I wouldn't worry about what people thought about me, what, how they would criticize me, what their views were about me, because I believe that God called me for his plans and his purposes, and they are greater than my own or anyone else's. If I believe that God is sovereign, then I believe that he would hold me and that he would keep me and he would sustain me on this journey. If I believe that God was sovereign, I believe that he was working a plan for his purposes and his ultimate good, that people would encounter Jesus through me no matter whether I failed, no matter whether I stammered over my words. If I was available, he would use me and so my viewpoint started to change because my life came under the word of God 
And I can tell you now, I do not struggle with anxiety anymore. Why? Because I believe in a powerful God. And I know that's not everyone's journey, but that was my journey of having to wrestle this truth with God and go, I am going to trust in you even when I can't see you working. I'm going to trust in you even when my circumstance isn't changing. I'm going to trust in you even when I'm having those panic attacks, even when I am feeling like there is no way out. I'm going to trust in you. And God is faithful to that. See, my beliefs about God should determine my life. My life should not determine my beliefs about God. That is a truth in the gospel. And first point, see a bigger picture. Second point, trust a bigger God. It says this in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God meant it for good. Tonight, do you have confidence in that statement? God meant it for good. It's a big statement. The loss of a loved one, God meant it for good. A hard marriage, God meant it for good. Suffering, depression, anxiety, God meant it for good. But this is what the word of God says. It's not my own words. This is what the word of God says, that he is faithful. Throughout the pit, the slavery, the prison, and as prime minister, God had not forgotten Joseph, and God was not going to abandon Joseph. Because what man intended for evil, God intended for good. He chose Joseph for a plan and purpose. That's quite a radical thing, that he chose a 17-year-old boy to go into a pit, to go into slavery, to go into a prison, but God had a greater plan and purpose, and you need to rest in that life changes church. Trust in God, because if Joseph's brothers had not sold him into slavery, he would not have been in Egypt. If he had not have been in Egypt, he would have never had learned how to manage a household or how to sell commodities in an Egyptian context. If he had not been falsely accused by part of his wife, he would have never been sent to prison to meet the interpreter, the, uh, to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and the winemaker. If he had never done that, he would never have stood be uh, before Pharaoh as the savior of a nation. If he had not done that, then God could not have used him to be the savior of Israel so that he could could accomplish the promise that he had given to Abraham and Isaac that he would make Israel into a greater nation. See, God was at work in each and every moment. God was sovereign. He was overseeing each and every detail of Joseph's life. And the truth is he is overseeing each and every detail of your life. The addictions, the trials, the loss, the hardship, God is overseeing each and every detail. See, those who love God and are called according to his purpose should never believe that a wrenching and painful turn is a sign that God is against us. Pain, hardship, suffering is not a sign that God is against you. God is still at work in your story. See, there's three things that cause us not to believe and trust in God. When we experience suffering, it's the duration of our suffering. See, it is hard to believe in God when your tragedies last 20 years. But that's the life of Joseph. 
he still trusted in God, even though he didn't see the fulfillment of the promise that God had made him. See, it's hard to trust in God when the number of trials you experience are many, when you experience hardship after hardship after hardship after hardship. But I promise you, that was just like Joseph. He went from the pit, then to a slave, then to prison. He was in Egypt for 13 years before he was called before Pharaoh. 13 years of agony. 13 years of not seeing any fulfillment that God was at work. God is still worthy to be trusted. And the final thing is the outcome of your suffering. See, this is the most difficult thing to believe, God. That God is working for our good even when we don't see a positive outcome. Because it brings disappointment. It brings distrust. That God isn't who he said he is. That his promises do fail. That he isn't faithful. But I promise you that God is working for his ultimate good. He's at work even when you can't see it. He's in every detail of your story. And this morning after Gabe preached this preach, a lady came up to me with tears in her eyes. She said, Michael, I was stirred by this because when I was a young girl, I was raped multiple times. And I've struggled with anger and I've struggled with bitterness. But I fully believe that God has worked in my life for his good and I fully believe that he was in that moment and he is in control of my life and he has a future for my life. And when I stood before there, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And she just went, no, don't be sorry because there's a testimony that God is greater. And if that person can say that, it ministers to my soul. Because that is a lady who obviously knows God. That is a lady who trusts in God for her provision, not just then, not just now, but forevermore. And that is what we can take from the story of Joseph, that he believes in a sovereign God, and I hope that you do too. That God is enough for us, Life Changes Church. That he is enough, not other things in this world, not fame, not wealth, not esteem. God is enough for us. Just him. And I promise you, he, his hope will never put you to shame. That we can hope in him. We can rest in him. We can trust and draw down from him. Because he is faithful, Life Changes Church. We need to be big picture people. See, God brings his people into suffering, all the while preparing in and through that suffering a God-glorifying deliverance from that very suffering. God is at work in each and every moment. And so do you trust God? That's my question to you tonight. See, Joseph was so confident in the promises of God that he even had faith for when he was dead. It says this in verse 24. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. See, Joseph mentions the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. And why does he do that? Because he has full faith that God will fulfill the promises that he made to his people. 
He had so much faith that even when he was dead, that he would have faith that God would fulfill his promises. See, Joseph trusted in a bigger God. He trusted him in every moment. And he knew that one day there would be a Pharaoh who did not know him, who did not know his name, and would, who would bring the Israelites under oppression. He trusted in a bigger picture. What is your hurt? What is your pain? What is your suffering you have been carrying for so long? What is the yoke of slavery that you have been carrying? Trust God that He is enough, that His grace is sufficient for you, that He will uphold you, that He will sustain you, that He will provide for you, not only for you, but for your family, for your children, for generations to come, that He's in each and every moment in your life even when you can't see him. That is the God that we serve because God always had a plan. And so our natural hearts are to go, but why isn't this happening, God? Why did this tragedy strike? Why did I lose my daughter? Why did I get into that car crash? Why did I lose my job? Why is this happening? And we may never know, but one day when we come before our Father in heaven, all he's going to say to us is, my good and faithful servant, can you experience my glory and my joy right now? That there will be no pain or suffering. There will be no hardship. And you will fall before the, fathers, before the Father on your knees. And you will experience eternal bliss before him. Because he is at work and he sent his son Jesus Christ to be the fulfillment of all these promises. That there was always a bigger picture at work. That when you came in through these doors tonight, that God has a bigger picture for your life. And it fits in with his bigger picture to reveal his son Jesus Christ to each and every one of us. So that we may become more like Jesus. So that our life may come under the word of God. So that we may trust him more. So that we may abide in him more. That we may be the hope of the world because people see Jesus Christ in us. That's the bigger picture. See, Jerry spoke of revival earlier. That there's revival breaking out right now in America. Thousands of students proclaiming the name of Jesus. But that starts with trusting that that name is true. Do you trust that the name of Jesus is true? See, in God's sovereign grace, he always intended for Jesus to be crucified. It says this in Acts 4, 27 to 28. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God always intended Jesus to die on the cross. And the enemy probably thought that he had won, that death had won that death had defeated the Son of God, that he was crucified. And when the people led him up to, on that hill and they shouted, crucify him, that death had won. When they put the purple robe on him to shame him, that death had won. When they put the crown of thorns on him, death had won. And when he finally took his last breath, the enemy probably thought death had won. 
but what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. Because God was always at work. There was always a bigger picture. See, the enemy couldn't see the bigger picture, but I pray that we can. That Jesus is enough for us, Life Changes Church. That the promotable life isn't one of getting a promotion or one of getting status or wealth or esteem. The promotable life is about being sons and daughters of a living God and revealing His majesty and His worth to a world who desperately needs it. That's who Joseph was. He was an ordinary man who trusted in a big God and became a savior of a nation. Why? Because he trusted in his almighty creator. And the same is on offer for each and every one of us this evening. Thank you so much for watching. If you'd like to take your next steps or find out what's happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. We can't wait to see you soon.